Driven mofos, I'm guessing that you found out about this podcast because someone shared it with you, posted it on their Insta stories, tweeted it, or something like that. I hope you're enjoying the podcast and getting a heap of value from it, just like those who shared it with you. As you know, I don't run any paid ads or sponsorship on this podcast, as it's my goal to get good information out to the world for free. The only thing that I'd ask from you is that you continue to pay it forward by sharing this episode and letting others know about what we do in this podcast so that we can keep growing this amazing community of driven mofos. So please keep the good karma rolling and share this episode with someone or just share it on your socials. When you think that when I get it all clear, then everything will happen, it will never happen like that. And that's the delusion that most people have. Welcome to The Underestimated Entrepreneur, where we talk about how to get the best out of yourself and how to build a life that you can't wait to get out of bed and live each day. This podcast is my attempt at documenting my journey, sharing my insights and what I've learned from being the private mindset and mental performance coach to some of the country's top athletes, rich listers, entrepreneurs, and running events for tens of thousands of people on how to better themselves and those around them. This is for those driven to achieve more in life, but are often underestimated by those around them. This podcast is my attempt at helping you prove your doubters wrong. Please enjoy. This is an extra community bonus after the three-part series that I've just done. This is a Q&A that I presented with the community answering their questions from our Mojo Insiders group, which are essentially those who have done our Thrive Time event previously. I hope you enjoy the Q&A. Any final questions before I wrap up? Awesome. It's good to see so many people on here. Wow. Jess says here, I get stuck on finding my mission. Would love some questions to get that clear again. Yeah. So Jess, great question. If you want to get clear on your mission, you've got to document your visions. So I don't, I've never heard anyone talk about this before, but what I know is that over the last year or so, I've been doing this with almost everyone that I've worked with one-on-one and it makes it so much easier to get clear on a mission. Any vision that you consistently have that keeps popping up in your mind, grab it, document it. Then look at the visions that you've got and figure out what the commonality is. If you've got to create the mission, it's not your mission. It's an implanted value. If you know that it is what it is, then that's your real mission. So for me, when I say my purpose is to help people perform better, I've got no doubt in my mind, 100%, because that's all I think about. When I watch TV, I think about people achieving great things, how they overcome obstacles, like I watch intently. On the weekend, I put that video up where I was watching some of the TT races. And when I watched that about the Dunlop family and what they've accomplished, I had tears running down my face. Like that's, I love that stuff. I love just helping people do the best that they can in life and achieve great things. My purpose is no doubt about it. The purpose links in with your values because when you live your values, it serves your purpose. So they align the vision and the mission align with each other. Because if you're getting visions, there's a mission in there somewhere. And the mission is the end objective that you're trying to get. So I think about building businesses that can help people perform better. And by documenting those visions, like I can see medical centers that are high performance centers where you go, you get all your bloods done, you get your DNA tested, everything like that, stool tests, everything. They should know everything about you and tell you exactly what you need to do over the next 12 to 24 months. That's stuff that I've been working with in the pipeline. I'm a shareholder in a company that is doing stuff like that at the moment, and we're starting to build that up. So over the next three to five years, that'll hopefully be available. The charities of helping people perform better. I think about that a lot. So that's something that, you know, I add into the mission. So when I have a look at all of those visions, I go, how does all this integrate? What am I really trying to achieve? And it's to build businesses that help people perform better. That's it. Simple, right? It's very simple. I don't have to overthink it. I'm 100% sure that's what it is. I've got no doubt in my mind. The other reason why getting clear with a mission is so hard is probably because there's a heap of implanted values that you haven't dealt with. 
when we're talking about implanted values, this is where Sigmund Freud talks about the ego, the id, and the superego. The implanted values of the superego, they're the parts of yourself where you judge yourself harshly, where you criticize yourself. So those voices inside your head of self-criticism and self-destruction, they're not actually yours. They're implanted values by you looking up to other people or other people looking down upon you. So when parents tell you off as a little kid, that's an implanted value. When people say you shouldn't do something, implanted value. Now we fucked up our business by me allowing implanted values into my head. I got feedback from the community many, many years ago about certain things that we were doing, which I thought were the right thing. I changed our whole business model based on that. Business turned shit, couldn't figure it out, and it was an implanted value. I allowed other people to dictate what I wanted to do in our business. That's just, it's feedback. So you've got to go through and chip away those implanted values because if not, you'll keep adapting and changing and trying to figure everything out and you'll get all confused. They're normally implanted values. So the more you can chip away the implanted values, balance out your emotions, and then keep documenting the visions and keep looking at the similarities, the easier it is to get clear on the mission. What I will say though is don't be ignorant like I think I have been in the past and I think most other people are where you think that getting clear on the mission is the answer because it's only part of the answer, right? As you grow, the mission's gonna grow. So I think that there is a delusion that when you get clear on this stuff, life just goes bang and it just happens. It doesn't. There's always challenges. The more you grow, the more people implant values on you. The more you lead people, the more they implant values on you. So you're always having to work on this stuff, just like with your health, right? The better you get at understanding health, you now have to then deal with aging. So once you start to learn how to train properly and look after your body, the aging process fucks all that up and throws a spanner in the works. Because you know, as decades go on, you've got hormonal changes, you've got all these other changes that are happening within your body that you've got to deal with. So you never get it right. It's always a learning process. Life forces us to learn. So when you enjoy the process of learning and working on yourself, you realize it's just part of the game. When you think that when I get it all clear, then everything will happen, it will never happen like that. And that's the delusion that most people have. It also sets you up for massive failure because the reason why some people aren't acting right now isn't because they're not clear. It's just because they're fucking not doing the shit that they need to do. Just do shit and move forward and keep moving forward and keep working on yourself as part of the process. You know, it's like people who want the perfect gym program before they go to the gym or they want to lose weight before they go to the gym. They're never going to get anywhere. If you're waiting for the mission and the vision and the values and everything to be clear before you start doing shit in life, you're never going to get anywhere. So you've got to keep moving and then adapting it, which is why I say Thrive Time is the greatest personal development event on the planet. Some people disagree. I don't fucking care. From what I've seen, it gives you the best tools and the best chances of consistently succeeding. Will you have problems? Will you have challenges? Will you have self-doubt? Will you have all these issues that come up? 100%. Why? Because as you implement, you grow as a leader. More implanted values, more people coming to challenge you. There is going to be more skill sets you need to develop as you grow. As you grow, the mission gets bigger, the goals get bigger, the values then shift, and then you've got to change. So just like the gym, I highly recommend daily work. If you think it's an intelligent idea or anyone out there, and by the way, this isn't for Jess, this is for everybody. By the way, I'm talking to everybody here. It's not directed at Jess. If you go to the gym every day, and that seems like an intelligent idea for good health, and then you look after your diet every day because that seems like a good idea for good mental and physical health. And you shower every day because that seems like a good thing for society. And you go to the bathroom every day and you have your number twos. That's good for your health and it's good for everybody. Why wouldn't you work on yourself every day a little bit? 
Okay, whether it's reading something that empowers you or you watch something that empowers you a little bit or you listen to a podcast and then you go back and you do a little bit of work or before you go to bed, you write down your wins for the day. Just by doing those little bits every day, you then start to build a system of habits that are working to make you better. Where people get it wrong is they don't do any personal development, personal growth. They don't even think about this shit for three months. Life falls apart and then pain becomes their motivator. When pain is your motivator, you'll never get ahead. So we have three motivators. We have pain, pleasure, and inspiration. Pain will drive you enough until things start working. And when things start working, you'll fuck everything up again to create pain because pain is the only way you get motivated. Pain's the only thing that creates drive. So most people in our society only have pain as a motivator, which is why they crave pleasure. Some people create these big goals and they have all this pleasure and they're thinking, if I just get to the goal, if I just get to the goal, I just get to the goal. But every day their life's painful. It fucking sucks because they're always driving towards this pleasure motivator in the future. So today becomes painful for them. Then they get the goal. And then when they get the goal, they're like, woohoo, got the goal. Oh man, I got to set another one because pleasure is their only motivator. The best motivator you can have is inspiration. And inspiration comes from just doing a little bit of work every day. I don't go to the gym because I'm in pain and I don't go to the gym because I love it. I go to the gym because I'm inspired. I'm inspired to go to the gym. It gives me both pleasure and pain. I do my personal development and personal growth work every day. Why? Because I fucking hate using pain as a motivator and I would love to use pleasure, but pleasure always leads back to pain. So I don't want the pain. So I'd rather just do the shit that I got to do. That's inspiration. So that's the reason why I just do the work every day. So just keep chipping away at it. Keep chipping away at implanted values. Do a little bit on balancing some stuff. Do some linking. And just do a little bit every day instead of doing like, you know, whole life melts down. I got to do like two weeks of all this growth and all this shit. And then everything seems to go great for a while. And then everything falls apart again. And, and then you end up in these vicious cycles. That's how I used to do it, right? Pain used to be my motivator. It wasn't until one day that I realized, this is where I realized it. I used to train quite hard, but I would train hard until I ended up with injuries. Then when I had injuries, I would go and see my chiropractor. Soap's probably on here tonight. I would go see Soph. Pete's probably on here as well, or Julia. Julia's my podiatrist. Pete's the physio. Soph's the chiro. They've all come and done Thrive Time, but I would go see them. Then when I was there, they would give me this rehab program and I would rehab, start feeling great again, train really, really hard. Then the next second I'm overtraining again, bang, injury. And I couldn't figure out why most of my life I've had injuries. What it was because it kept pushing me back to my top two values. My highest value is learning. Learning, teaching, and coaching. My second highest value is connecting with other thought leaders or people who want to grow, want to learn. When I realized that I would train hard, but when I was training hard, I would disconnect from everybody and I would stop learning about myself. Now that I've realized that, I just go get Cairo, I go to the physio, I go get massages every fortnight, and I keep that momentum up because I'm inspired to do that because if not, pain becomes my motivator for the gym. It forces me to go learn about myself through injuries versus going there, learning about myself and then implementing it without injuries. The same will happen with personal development. I guarantee most of you in here have not learned how to use personal development as inspiration. And I've said this so many times at our events and I don't think that most people get it. And that is that if you don't do personal development because you love learning about yourself, you will do personal development because you've got to learn about yourself because you're in fucking pain. Okay, and life sucks and it's falling apart or you hate yourself because you're not achieving your goals. And this is why I say at events, set yourself up. Like if there is something else to do, go and sign up for it or go and do something that gives you something in three months or six months to learn from. I don't care if it's our events or somebody else's. 
Go and learn shit so that you keep learning and you're in the habit of learning at set intervals versus waiting till your life falls apart and then having to pick yourself up from the gutter to then go and learn again because it's a bad strategy for growth. I learned that many years ago. That's why I'm always learning and I travel around the world. I haven't since COVID, but I travel all around the world to learn. Why? Because if I don't, I end up fucking up my life and then I've got to then rebuild myself from the bottom to get back to where I was and then go above again. I'd rather just keep things progressing and moving forward. Okay, it's also why I have coaches and mentors and stuff like that. If you're a business owner and you're wanting to grow your business, please make sure you head to Facebook and search for my No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. It's totally free and I share tips, tools, templates, and live trainings on all things sales, marketing, leadership, management, systemization, and more, as well as how to help you to perform at your best by optimizing your mindset as the business owner. So if you're a business owner, head across to Facebook via the link in the description of this podcast and join my free No BS Business Hacks Facebook group. What is the test to determine if you're influenced by implanted values again? How do we work through these? So when it comes to implanted values, essentially the internal voices inside your head that doubt, question, are fear-driven, that judge you, that criticize you, they're all implanted values. Recently, I was working with somebody who flew from interstate. They're a big business owner and flew interstate to work with me. They were saying, how do you know that you've got these implanted values? And one of the things that I said was that if you go to make a decision and you know that it's not a decision that you're 100% congruent with, it's not your decision. The other thing is that if someone else pops into your mind, it's not your decision. So if you go, I want to do this, but what will my mum and dad think? Or what will my parents think? That's not your decision. It's their decision now. I say this with clients all the time. If you have to ask your partner, it's not your decision. It's their decision. And I see business owners do this all the time. And it's a really, really, really bad idea. So when I go somewhere and I want to do something, I just do it. And then I come home and I say, Jess, here's what I'm doing and here's why I'm doing it. And I explain myself. Is she always happy about it? No, because she's assessing the world through different values. When I ask for her permission, I'm asking for her to filter through her values. Then if she says, no, you can't do it, now I have a conflict because I'm either going to do it because it's for my values and now she's pissed off because I didn't listen to her or... She says, no, I subordinate to her, then I'm going to blame her in the future when something comes up, I'll say, you never let me do what I want to do. Or if something else does work, I turn around and go, see, I told you we should have done it. You want to know how to fuck up a relationship? That's how you do it. You want to know how to fuck up partnerships in business? That's how you do it. You've got to get clear with your values, especially if you're in an intimate relationship and you need to know what your strengths and your weaknesses are and they become the things that you decide. So I run the business, it's my business, I make the final decision because I am the best person to make the decisions within the business. When it comes to financial structure, Jess is the best person, so she normally makes the final decisions. Now, if it comes to me having to make decisions where I've got to go and learn or I've got to go and invest in something, like it might be some new software, what I will normally do is I will call her in, we will use both of our values and we'll assess the situation, we'll communicate about it, but I will make the final decision. Be very, very careful with allowing other people to plant their values. Like one of the most stupidest things that I see, which I used to do all the time, is when someone says, I need to go talk to my partner. Bad idea. You're going to implant their values. And then people go, it's the right thing to do. Is it? Or is it just what you've been taught because everyone else does it like that? That's society conditioning because you're taught to be passive. You're taught to ask for permission to do things. From the day that you went to school and had to put up your hand in order to go to your own bathroom, is the day that you learn how to ask for other people's opinions about what you do and to make sure that it's okay because you don't want to get in trouble. 
And so people ask for their partner's opinions because they don't want to get in trouble. But here's what it does, is it forces your values down. It means that you value other people's opinions in most cases over your own. And I will do this on sales calls. When I'm talking to someone and they want to sign up to Business Odyssey, and they say, I want to go talk to my partner. I'm like, okay, that's fair enough. I understand. But what happens if they say no? What happens if they say no? Then if they say no, and you believe that that's okay, then you've subordinated your values. You have lowered your own self-worth by doing that. And you probably deserve to fail in business because how the fuck are you going to run a business when you can't make decisions and you've got to run it past someone else to find out if it's okay? That's not business. Business needs good leadership. Now, if you're a good leader in your business, you don't need to go ask your partner because you can lead your partner through the way you communicate, through effective communication, through good quality leadership, through negotiation. That's what will make you win in business, but it's what makes you win in your relationship as well. Both parties, if you've been in a relationship for long enough, know how the other person makes decisions. If not, you're both fucking walking around with your eyes closed. So Jess knows that I'm going to make certain decisions and, and I know that she's going to make certain decisions. One of the things that I say with Jess all the time, and if you're in an intimate relationship and your partner asks for your permission, this is what I say to Jess. I look at her and I say, aren't you a fucking adult? And she looks at me and she's like, oh, yeah. So tonight she's gone to the Michael Bublé concert and her best friend rang her up, Kelly, who's also part of this community. Oh, sorry, it's not Kelly. It's her cousin. Rang her up the other day and said, I got a spare ticket. Do you want to come? And Jess said, Michael, is it okay if I go? And I said, you're a fucking adult, aren't you? And she looked at me and she went, oh, oh yeah, I am. And then she's like, okay, cool, I'm going. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. Because it's not my job to make Jess's decisions for her and it's not her job to make her decisions for me. If not, we implant values and you lower each other's self-worth. If you want to have someone resent you, that's the easiest way to do it. Bad idea for an intimate relationship, right? Now, do sometimes we work on things together? Yes. But we also have to know who's the most effective decision maker in that area. But yeah, it's just owning the decisions. Really, they're your decisions, right? It's your life. That's what it, really what it comes down to is it's your life, your decisions. But anytime you have internal conflict inside your own mind, it is because of an implanted value. So I go through this a lot in Triumph now, and I do go through this in the updated Thrive Time where I talk about the ego, the id, and the super ego, which is Sigmund Freud's work. And what he said is that you've got impulses and fears. Those fears create impulses and impulses create fears. So that's our emotional states. Then in order to balance out those impulses and fears, we have implanted values. So when we are fearful, we tend to look up to others and go, what would they do to handle this situation? So we implant other people's values in order to help us navigate life and to balance out the fears. On the other side, when you have impulses, you then start to beat yourself down and you lower your own self-worth and you lower your own self-value because there's a comparison of someone else's implanted values on you. The more you live with implanted values, the harder it's going to be to make good, clear, effective decisions and the more decision fatigue you're going to have. So throughout the day, when you're trying to please others, when you're trying to impress others, you are going to wear yourself out because you're going to have decision fatigue. All right, I've got time for one or two more quick questions and then I've got to uh, hop off. How do you work through your negative self-talk? So what you need to do is with your negative self-talk, you've just got to catch yourself and convert it. What I started doing that helped me massively was stop focusing on what you're not doing and start focusing on what you are doing. Stop focusing on where you're going wrong in life and start focusing on where you're going right in life. You've got to flip that whole narrative around. What I used to do was I would use my journal and write down all the fucked up shit that happened every day and then try to figure it out. What I do now is I just write down all my wins, all the areas where I'm super disciplined, anything that I think's benefit, any empowering learnings that I've got, I just write them all in my journal and then I go to bed and, and I wake up and I do it all again tomorrow. 
And what I found is that naturally as a byproduct of that, my self-talk's way better. You know, if I'm going to do something, let's just get it done. We had a massive day yesterday and I worked all through the weekend. It's a public holiday here and I worked all through the weekend. Normally that's the time that I start maxing out, but I feel fine. And it's because I'm just looking at all my wins, all the things I'm doing well, the things that I'm achieving. I don't tend to look at the negative stuff. I don't tend to look at the fear. I've cut down my social media usage because that tends to flare it up. I don't really watch a lot of TV at the moment. I'll watch a movie if I want to or something like that or a documentary. But I just try to avoid anything that puts any sort of disempowering toxic shit into my mind. That's about it. I don't like calling it negativity because it's not really negativity. I don't mind if people bring up problems and we sort those problems out. What I don't want is I don't want to indulge in that shit. So I don't want to hear someone complaining about something. I had something the other day where someone around me was complaining about shit and I said, stop, I don't want to hear it. Like, it's all cool. I know you've got a problem with it, but let's move on. Let's keep going. There's got to be benefits to it. So let's talk about them and let's figure out how we're going to solve a problem. Let's go. And so I just, I think about that. Like I enjoy solving problems. I enjoy working through stuff. I just found that, that when I stopped looking for shit fixing myself, actually probably that's probably the number one thing for everybody. When you stop trying to fix yourself is the day that you free yourself. The day you stop trying to fix yourself is really the, the day you find and empower yourself. And I think that's probably pretty spot on. So yeah, I just don't really look at fixing myself. I read stuff because I enjoy learning. I read stuff because I like implementing what I learn. I like studying stuff because it's just what I do. It's what I enjoy. I don't look at it now because I'm all fucked up and I've got to try and fix myself and I've got all this shit going on. And that's how I started personal development, but it just doesn't work anymore. Not for me. Is mission and vision basically the same thing? What are the differences? The vision is the pictures that you see inside your mind. The mission is the end outcome of those things. So I'll give you an example. When I have visions, a vision that I consistently have is standing up on stage, speaking in front of tens of thousands of people. That's a vision. So I see the vision. I can bring it up right here. It's right there. I see a vision of me traveling around the world. You know, like right now I can bring up the vision of me sitting in a private jet, flying around the US doing seminars and events. I see a vision of connecting with some of the top level thinkers throughout the US. I see that, that's a vision. Now, when I look at those visions, I ask myself, what do those things have in common? And that then becomes the mission. And the commonality is I build businesses that help people perform better. So that is the end result. So the end result of my life will be that I've built a whole bunch of businesses that help people perform better in life and business. That's the long-term objective. That's the mission. But the visions are what that looks like. Normally what happens is that most people mix up vision, mission, purpose, all of values. They all get sort of intertwined and thrown around through the personal development industry, but they don't make sense. So the mission is the long-term objective. It's looking at the visions and asking yourself, what do they all represent? Or what's the objective of these visions? Like I said, my purpose is to help people perform better. My mission is to build businesses that help people perform better in life and business. And then the visions are those specific visions that keep popping up in my mind. By the way, if you think about something once, probably not that important. Like when I meet people and they're like, I want to be a millionaire. I'm like, cool. And I want Playboy bunnies to massage my shoulders when I'm working every day. Doesn't mean anything, right? It's just a fucking fantasy. But if those visions keep popping up consistently in your head and they're quite clear and you can document them, and let's say it's you know traveling around the US, I know the locations that I want to go because the vision gets clearer and clearer and clearer. I can document it. I can turn it into a goal. And then from those goals, then I can get out there and achieve the visions. Melissa's got a question here. How often do you redo your own goals? It all depends. 
So with goal setting in business, we normally do, so at Business Odyssey, we do 90-day OKRs. And we've been refining this over the last two years of Business Odyssey. But what I've found is they're the most effective goal setting method for a business, especially if you want to act fast and be quick. It does take a while to implement them. If you're a business owner, I highly recommend to read the book, Measure What Matters. Also look up Purdue, which is a YouTube page. You can find how to use that goal setting method, or there's a website called whatmatters.com. You can go there, you can check it out, and it's probably the most effective goal setting method for business. So our business goals, I set every 90 days. Normally, Jess and myself will set one and three year goals, but every 90 days we check in, we readjust, we tweak, and then we have one clear objective for the next 90 days that we work on. That's business. Personally, my goals can change every month or two, couple of months. Like I just noticed that I wasn't feeling the most comfortable in some of my clothes. So I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to start tracking my calories, start cleaning up my diet, drop a couple of kilos. I think I'm down about five from the start of the year. Not that I'm pushing hard. I've still been eating sort of most of what I feel like. I just track my calories a bit better. Training's been pretty good. So things are just working out. I'm naturally starting to fit back into my clothes again. So that goal just came up because I was like, you know what, it's time to sort of clean up my diet a bit. That one there though recently was I noticed that they were starting to get tight again. I was like, right, bang, I want to cut it off at the ass before I've got to lose a heap more weight again. That was there. I don't really have a set time frame. Like I just, if I want to achieve a goal, I would recommend just adding it in. But what I'll say is this, humans have a problem of adding shit into their life without eliminating stuff. If you want to create chaos in your life, add more shit without taking stuff out. So if you've got a goal that you're going to add in, Figure out the time frame that it's going to take and the time that it takes up each week and then figure out what you're going to eliminate. So for instance, like if you're not used to going to the gym and you're a busy person and you're going to spend four hours at the gym or let's say five hours because you've got drive time and stuff like that, you're going to spend five hours at the gym per week. What are you going to eliminate for five hours? Okay, when you do that, you go, right, cool. I'm going to eliminate five hours worth of watching shitty TV. Great. Now you're improving the quality of your life. What most people do is they're like, I'm going to stack this in, stack that in, I'm going to add that in, add that in. And then they wonder why their life falls apart and everything turns to shit. Okay. If you're going to add something in, take something out. It makes everything way easier. I hope that answered the question. All right, everyone, I will go back through tomorrow. I'll read all the comments. I can see we've almost got 150 comments. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed tonight. I enjoyed doing this. If you're not listening to my podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, please hop on. I think there's over 300 and something. Oh, well, there's 370 episodes or 380 episodes or something. But yeah, jump on there, check it out. Share it with your friends, share it with your family. Let people know about it. Post it up on socials. It's free. But every day I'm talking about something on there. Some days I just ramble shit. Other days I say something that's intelligent. But you'll probably enjoy it anyway. Some days I'm controversial. Sometimes I'm structured in them. It's just, I just said if I was going to do a podcast again, I just want to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And yeah, we'll just see how it goes. So I think we've got about 50,000 downloads now. And so we're just starting to ramp it up more now. I'm going to start to structure it a bit more and make it a bit better. But yeah, hop on, check it out. I would just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's on here and for everyone who stayed on here. I think tonight was probably one of the most popular ones that we've done. I think at one stage there was about 80 or 90 people on. So a massive thank you to everyone who jumped on tonight. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. And thanks for being part of this awesome community and for wanting to have a better life and wanting to achieve more and getting out there. You know, I couldn't do what I do, which is teach and coach if there weren't ears to listen and for people who wanted to improve the quality of their life. So thank you for allowing me to do what I love. I appreciate you all and have a great night. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate this podcast by clicking the stars on the podcast home screen and follow to get notifications of any new episodes.